The Water Values Podcast, Session 145. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks so much for joining me. Got a great show for you today. Reese Tisdale, uh, rather than doing his typical Bluefield on Tap segment, comes uh, comes at us uh, for a full-length uh, feature interview today, and he does a great job as always. Um, but before we get to Reese, let's talk. Uh, let's do a little housekeeping like we normally do. Uh, first, thank you very much for those of you who've rated and reviewed the podcast. We got a couple more five star ratings. Uh, we're up to 110 five star ratings, 119 ratings total. So, uh, thank you so much for uh, rating and reviewing the show. Really appreciate it. We did get another review posted to Apple uh, Podcasts, and it's by Johan Danger. Uh, for anyone interested in water, Johan says, this podcast is amazing. If you're looking to broaden your understanding of water-related issues, past, present, or future, listen to Dave's podcasts. Dave's guests are all experts in their respective fields. Whether your interests are in the science, technology, management, regulatory, legal, or financial aspects of water, you won't be disappointed. Well, thank you, Johan, for that fantastic uh, rating and review. And with the name Johan Danger, it almost sounds like you remember the hives. Is there a celebrity uh, fan of the Water Values podcast out there? Just curious. Um, so with, with that, we uh, I'd also like to thank those of you who've made contributions to the Water Values podcast. That helps to uh, keep the water flowing, so to speak. You can uh, make your contribution by going to the website, thewatervalues.com. Scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side. There's a little PayPal donate button. Uh, Contributions in any uh, denomination are greatly appreciated and do help defray the not insignificant costs of keeping the Water Values podcast going. So with that, let's get to our feature interview. Here is Reese Tisdale. So open your valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, hey, Reese, welcome back to the Water Values podcast. How you been? Pretty good. Pretty good, Dave. What's going on with you? Oh, just, you know, staying busy, staying busy. We closed a, closed a deal recently, uh, sale of a municipal system that, uh, needed a lot of, uh, investment. So that, that was a good deal. But, um, uh, it's been a while since we've had you on, uh, I, I, by my count, it's almost been a year and a half. I can't believe it's been that long since we've had you on as a featured guest. So we're really happy to, to have you back. Seriously? Seriously? Time flies. Well, uh, let's talk digital water today. Um, and I, I know that Bluefield has done a lot of work in this area, uh, a lot of market intelligence. But, you know, before we kind of dive into all that kind of stuff, can you give us just, you know, a thumbnail? You know, when, when we talk about digital water, what does that mean? What, when, when someone says digital water to you, what, what goes off in your mind? Oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's really the use of data and analytics and applying that to the water or wastewater systems as a whole. And what does that mean? That could be everything from, you know, customer management. So it could be things like billing and understanding what's happening at the customer level. It could be network distribution plant operations. So, you know, understanding in real time SCADA systems, how the assets are operating and, and asset management. And then also just taking some of that, but also in just back office 
operations or you know the the back office looking at the financials and what's happening within the network itself also you know understanding workforce that's a that's a big question that's happening rising more and more is like what's happening with utility workforces so I think it's one of these digital is a buzzword. Some others call it uh, smart water. Some call it um, intelligent water. There are a number of different uh, monikers that that people use. At Bluefield, we use digital, and it, you know, it's also ties into what's happening. And I've said this before on the podcast: what's happening in our daily lives, everything from you know connecting our phones to our computers to the assets, whether it be in the home, in this case. The municipality. Yeah, yeah, oh, terrific. So, uh, in, in the U.S., we we seem to um, you know there's a lot of talk about smart meters and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's it's easy for us, based for those of us who are based in the U.S., to kind of uh, lose sight of what may be going on in the in the bigger picture. So, can you uh, tell us about what's happening globally in kind of the digital water space? Yeah, so at Bluefield, we do look at global activity, and I think to your point, it's easy to lose sight of the rest of the world because by our measure, at least what we've been tracking um, for various reasons, the U.S. does represent the lion's share of activity. But other markets, um, worth worth is not a fair way to look at it, but other markets that, that companies or people should look at, one is the, is the U.K., there's a lot of change that has happened in the UK over decades now at this point. Partly it's a, it's a privatized system as a whole. Right. Um, and one thing that's interesting about it is because it's privatized, the regulator has a very, I don't know if it's the right way, heavy-handed approach and managing those utilities. And also just the, the capital and operating expenditures. They really talk about Totex. And so with the with the emergence or advent of digital solutions, utilities and the engineering firms working at the, at these utilities are really making a big push to deploy new solutions. And everything like leakage management is a big area of concern in the UK. Um, and partly that's happened, you know, the, the regulator is forcing them to reach certain targets. Um, and also, there have been some big uh, climatic events that have created all sorts of problems to the network, and it exposed some of them. And so the regulators rated them. So they're deploying things like smart meters and asset management solutions. So the UK is uh, is a uh, is it the epicenter? It is a real. Um, it's an incubator for companies. That are that have new solutions. So you're seeing companies that are coming out of the UK trying to get into other markets, whether it be the US or Australia, which is another market. You know, after the millennium drought, um, there you know there was a real downturn in capital expenditures on water infrastructure, and so it seems there'd be to a more recent uptick, nowhere near what it was prior to the millennium drought or as they were dealing with it. And they were really, at that time, they were focused on water supplies. Now there's this real focus on asset management, but also looking at the operation side, operation side of the equation. And so that's where a lot of uh, smart water solutions or digital water solutions are being deployed. So, as a result, you know, we're seeing a fair amount of activity in those markets. Um, and I think, you know, but like I said, the U.S. is taking up the biggest chunk. You know, I think in 
overall. Globally, Bluefield, we tracked about 335 projects in 2018. And that, you know, like I said, I think 67 of them were uh, in the U.S., four meters alone. Um, so that's what – so I, I would say, you know, lastly about Australia, there are companies that are trying to come out of Australia and enter the U.S. The U.S. is a, is a big market, one. There are a lot of water systems. It's a difficult market. Uh, and it's also – it's fairly transparent transactionally uh, as far as doing deals. It can be slow. Um, and it, as a result – I mean, we can shift into this part of the conversation, but that is, you know, it's um, it's a slow market that utilities, because it's so fragmented, they don't, don't always know what the options are. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd like to – go a couple different directions and hopefully I can remember all this stuff. But initially uh, I, I found it very interesting that the, uh, the British regulator off is focused on leakage and, and is pushing the utilities right. to take care of that issue. Because we all know that, that uh, you know, adopting these technologies is not cheap necessarily. And so it's interesting that the regulator is the one that's pushing the utilities, not the utilities coming to the regulator and saying, hey, we got a great idea. Yeah, it's interesting. And they, you know, for those who don't know, you know, they operate on five-year cycles in the U.K. So the AMP cycle is this last five-year cycle is coming to an end. So now utilities are having to submit budgets. And it's, and it's very – it's competitive. So engineering firms are bidding on certain parts of projects to get into. And so then they will work with the respective utilities over the five-year plan. And so every five years, there's this change – you know, the spend – sort of it, um, it's not uh, it, it's not flat from year to year I think you know there are some years that are heavier than others just because of the timing of the cycles but as we move into another phase another five-year cycle then there's ideally going to be more innovative solutions deployed um, it's another way to you know it's a, it's another phase uh, of growth for for infrastructure investment, but technologies as a whole. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah. I, I'm kind of curious if, if you have any thoughts on whether or not any of that is driven by, uh, you know, climate issues. Uh, you know, Australia has obviously been hit by a drought. The UK, uh, there's been, you know, concerns about water supply. Um, and I'm just, I'm just kind of curious if, if the focus in those uh, countries has been, you know, informed by client, climate, because if you're going to be spending money, essentially increasing rates to adopt these technologies, you know, are, is, is climate kind of behind all this stuff? I think ultimately, ultimately, I think it is in many respects. I, I, look, it, the same could be said for California, right? You know, I think once there's a big drought, you know, California, I don't know, it's the sixth, seventh largest economy in the world. So on scale, it's pretty significant. But I think the point is when, if it's the UK and they get major freezes, you know, or major storm events that impact them and it exposes flaws or failures in the infrastructure network, 
then, you know, I think the regulator is forcing them to address that. In Australia, it's the same thing. You know, the millennium drought was really, it went on forever, it seemed, seemingly. And most of the population, 83% is served by these large utilities. Now, they spend a lot of money, and ratepayers definitely have not been happy over the past couple of years. And, you know, the thought of putting more, um, you know, forcing, you know, raising their rates to deal with with new technologies is probably not the most exciting thing. I mean, look at what happened with the all the desalination projects. But I think ultimately, to your point, I think the resiliency. Ideally, these smart solutions, smarter solutions, get move utilities on the path of of resiliency. Resiliency is a big word. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. But ideally, it is a state in which the utility is, you know, paying for it. You know, it's it's operating effectively. So the water quality, wastewater management is being handled appropriately. Uh, it means that, you know, financially, the utility is standing on its own, defining that however you want it is a public system. Um, and so that needs to be dealt with. So and, and also just workforce management as a whole, which sort of wraps up into that. Um, I'd say more financial. So I think it is. These storm events, they're not going away. So understanding the network and sort of when your first question was, what is digital water? A big part of this is understanding what's happening in the network. And that's where these countries, whether it be the UK or Australia and Israel for that matter, are out ahead. The U.S. is a big market, right? So you have different regions and different states, different jurisdictions and different systems. Everything is operating independently. There's not one regulator. There, I mean, I, who knows how many regulators. <laughs> when, you take, when you take into account the municipality, the county, the water district, the state, the federal government, there are these layers that create all these problems. So there's really who's ultimately in charge. That's it's a bigger question. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's bring it back to the U.S. Uh, you, you've mentioned that you know, number one, it's a big market. It's a fragmented market. Uh, there's a lot of metering project activity yeah. going on here. Uh, what are some of the other things you're you're seeing in the U.S. market? Yeah. So I would say asset management is you know that is basically you know managing the utility assets. And so I think that's where a lot of interest is happening. In fact, the, you know, there are policies coming into place, whether it be in New Jersey or Michigan, that are forcing or compelling is a nice way to put it, utilities and municipalities to do to develop asset management plans. I mean, there, in fact, and I think you've actually had people, guests on your podcast, that they have solutions, software solutions to help utilities sort of develop asset management plans more effectively. You know, the first step in the journey of a utility is understanding your assets. You can't do predictive analytics or maintenance without the underlying or baseline of, of that. So I think that's a big area of activity in the U.S. Um, I'd say to your point about metering, I think Last year, I said there were 335 projects. 67 were metering projects in the U.S. But that, you know, what's amazing is that's over a million meters that are planned to be deployed in the U.S. Um, across those projects. It's a lot of meters. And I would say what was interesting about that and sort of related to some things, at least you've been talking about recently that I've seen, 
is sort of the issue of privacy is starting to come up. And yeah. that's an argument that people oppose for whatever for whatever reason they're opposed. It could be truly privacy. It could just be cost, you know, customer protection uh, of, of rising rates. But the issue of, you know, putting meters on every smart meters with real-time, you know, tracking or analytics has started to raise some flags that are a big concern. We've seen things like that and some court cases I think that you have more uh, exposure to in Illinois and Indiana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the, you, you're, you're referring to the Naperville case. I've, I've, exactly. I've written blog posts about that. And actually I've got a uh, – uh, an article coming out in the Journal of the American Water Works Association. It'll be published in either May or June uh, on on that case, and kind of it's 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 fascinating because it's an electric case, right. but but I think everything apply will will have equal applicability at least in my in my mind it'll have equal applicability to water. Um, so yeah, the the privacy concerns are fascinating. Uh, you you mentioned all those meter projects now. Are are they all you know are they are they all kind of like smart meters or are some of them just <clears throat> excuse me what I would call like uh, uh, you know radio read meters you know because because I I hear some people in the industry saying yeah we're getting these you know smart meters and it's it's the radio read meters that's so it's not it's not as though uh, they're going to have this treasure trove of data yeah so they're mostly AMI. So, um, so they're basically AMI enabled at least. Um, and you know, the thing is that, you know, the point about the privacy. So the concern is, you know, if these are AMI and that they're, that they're sort of able to provide real time data to the utility, what's happening at the home or or commercial facility, wherever it is. What's interesting is that the next step in that, you know, that's the, honestly, Aside from the cost, the easy part is installing the meter, right? The next step is someone's got to manage all that data and information. <laughs> so pri- privacy, I, I don't mean to make light of it, but that's probably the least of our concerns. Yeah. Um, the issue is like all the all those gigabytes, terabytes of you know data, Google's of data are going to come flowing into the utility, and um, it's you know managing it, it that's a big task and i'd say one of the bigger issues is that utilities in fact they do install these systems and they don't actually don't even enable them to collect all the data so in many respects they're overspending um maybe they get maybe they're they're getting bad advice or they're just not set up to do it. We all overbuy at times, admittedly. So I think that's, um, but that's where the trend is going, right? I mean, I think the idea is that a municipality or utility needs to better understand what's happening. One, you know, non-revenue, we all talk about non-revenue order. A big part of that is, you know, it's not just leakage. Uh, That's part of it. And that helps understand is there, are there leaks, but also, it's just billing. You know, we, I'd like to think if they're installed correctly, with that caveat, you, I'd like to be billed correctly as opposed to under uh, – well, I always want to underpay. But I'd rather <laughs> – I don't, don't want to overpay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's interesting. The Managing the data. So there's the storage issue, right. you know, is, is kind of artificial intelligence, machine learning. Is that? It, it seems to me that that is an area that would be ripe 
for data, the data management, like just telling, you know, figuring out, okay, you know, either it's going to start spitting out work orders or spitting out, you know, here's the, here's the hot area, so to speak. We need to, to, you know, go pay this, this portion of the distribution system or, you know, some attention or something like that. I mean, what, 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 AI is really interesting. I mean, the AI, you know, I, I don't want to get out over my skis here. <laughs> AI to me is, is really interesting, but, you know, that has to be explained to a pretty conservative group of companies or, you know, the utilities. They're conservative inherently, and I, I think there's a good reason for that, right? You know, they cannot – when you start dealing with water, they – I think part of it is just culturally that's where they are. But, the, you know, they have high risk, right? So where are they – placing their dollars and their resources and what do they um, what do they understand about that I mean that that's sort of the bigger challenge for all of us is what does all of this stuff mean um, and uh, AI I mean to give you an example so you know that's basically I think you I think you had Doug Hatler from Fractal on as a guest at one point you know Fractal that's what they do what's amazing so to show you where that's going if this is a signal it's one data point but Corita just made a what 37 million dollar investment in Fracta for 50% of the company now Fracta has only been around 3 or 4 years but they're deploying artificial intelligence not in the back office but they are on the networks and understand trying to help utilities understand where predictively where the breaks going to happen or where the problems um, in the network can happen. So that's artificial intelligence. There are different ways to do it. I mean, we ourselves at Bluefield Research, we have a whole ton of data that we have collected over time. We actually have someone right now using AI to go through it and start, you know, sort of cleaning it up. Um, so it's applicable, absolutely. Yeah, I just think that AI and machine learning are going to play a huge role in in figuring out how to use that data. Um, right. And and like you say, there's a, a lot of utilities who are deploying smart meters. They they're kind of overbuying, and so yeah. I think the AI and the machine learning will have an opportunity to uh, to provide more value for the data that they're collecting. I mean, sadly, I'm getting a little long in the tooth. I know it don't sound that way, but, <laughs> but the analysts at Bluefield, they probably have a better idea than I do of some of these things. You know, I bring up certain things and they look at me like I was, you know, yeah. you know I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> hey, you mentioned uh, the Curita investment in Fracta. What, what, what are some of the other deal flow things that are going on in the, the digital water space? Yeah, so I think what's, you know, they're... Or, you know, that was uh, that was a big one that caught everybody's eye, I just think, just by the, the valuation in and of itself. But, you know, Arcadis, it acquired Seams last year. So, you know, looking at asset, back to my point about the U.K., Seams comes out of the U.K. They've had great success looking at that market. Now they're through Arcadis or looking more closely at the U.S. Uh, Suez, um, you know, had part of Optima up to Optimatics. And it is now, uh, you know, basically through its venture. I believe that was through Suez Ventures, and they bought out the remaining stake. So that's happening. Those are a couple deals. I mean, we ha I think we tracked 21 acquisitions in 2018 related specifically to digital water, which is down, quite honestly, from 2017. I think it was 31 that we captured. 
hopefully we're capturing capturing most of them. We're pretty diligent about it. But I think, you know, what that says is that there is no shortage of activity. I mean, look at what, what uh, Xylem has been doing over the past couple of years. A lot of these deals, they're also they're not huge blockbusters, right? A lot of these are just small because that's kind of the nature of this business. I mean, if you think about it as like really a, uh, a technology Silicon Valley type uh, group of companies, um, they're coming out of that kind of environment, very high tech um, data driven. So they're startups. And so as a result, there's also a number of these companies that are also um, you know, venture backed. You know, we, I think there were, $54 million of early stage investments last year that we tracked. And that's been pretty steady over the past couple of years. And uh, I want to say, as I said, from around 50 to $55 million over the past couple of years. So that's been pretty good. M&A can be a little bit lumpy, and that can be swung by a couple of big deals here and there. Yeah, and and – one thing I'd like to, to explore, I, we had you on one of the Bluefield on Tap segments not too long ago after WEF, I think, and and Bluefield had done some research about engineering firms and their um, contributions to the WEF agenda. And so how are the engineering firms shaping up in this kind of deal flow? I mean, are they, are they participating uh, or are they – are, are they just kind of consumers of the digital water and, and integrating those those uh, those solutions that these venture these uh, tech companies, so to speak, are are creating for uh, for the industry? Yeah, no, I think they're actually they play a, a pivotal role. I think um, in many respects. I mean, we look at them on the municipal side; they are gatekeepers to the sector. You know, particularly for the larger ones, but as a whole, I mean, they have the experience, the engineering knowledge of water infrastructure and so they are advisors to a lot of utilities now some of them have launched uh, and acquired and spun out their own solutions so you know if you look at what black and beach said uh atonics i think they spun that out as its own business recently um uh, i mentioned seams so arcadis acquired seams arcadis is out of the Netherlands, I guess that's their headquarters, but they have a big U.S. presence. So Arcadis has, um, has acquired Seams. They're now looking at the U.S. So that's one strategy. TetraTech a couple of years ago acquired Indus, which was much smaller. I think that was a pretty small deal. $18 million sticks out in my mind. I can't remember. And then Brown and Caldwell uh, is another one who they've launched BC Blue. But what I think is interesting about Brown and Caldwell is that they're, they don't have I don't they don't have a specific solution that they're offering. I think what they're doing is they're approaching the utilities and trying to help them leverage what they're already using. That because that's one of the one of the issues back sort of like understanding your assets, but also leveraging what solutions and technologies you already have in house. Cause a lot of these utilities, they have enterprise systems in place. They're doing, you know, have these different things. And so rather than trying to push new products onto them, finding solutions to operate within what they're already doing, which is kind of one of the challenges, but the EPCs do play a big role. And it's interesting to see how they will evolve because it's a different business model, right? You know, the EPCs are 
They're working on billable hours. I mean, they're consultants in many respects. Then if you start adding technology, and that maybe that's why Black & Beach has spun out their digital solution because it kind of keeps it at arm's distance, kind of you know, aside from their core business. And that, in a way, is what happened with Innovise and MWH, you know, several years ago. Innovise had been around a long time, but it was always kept at arm's length from the rest of Innovise's engineering uh, business. And I, I think part of that was personality of the people involved. I think part of that was also just from a business structure, it made more sense to do that. It's a higher margin business uh, operates differently. Reese, you've been fantastic. I, you know, every time I talk to you, I, that's why I love doing the Bluefield on Tap segments because I get all this great market market insight. Um, is there anything on digital water that I have not asked that you think is important that the listeners, uh, you know, understand or comprehend? I would say one thing we talked mainly about the municipalities itself. I would say one area and that I think is really interesting, and that's what's happening, and this is what's happening. The, on the electricity side of things and to some extent on gas, but really electricity. So what's happening within the home itself and companies trying to figure out ways to penetrate that space. And what's interesting, there's a company, uh, I believe it's Roost, and what they're, they have, and it has, back, it's the same thing. They're looking at things like leakage management, but they have partnerships with insurance companies. So the insurance companies are getting involved increasingly in this space, and that makes sense. I think Suez has the same thing in France through one of their venture company, venture investments, if I recall correctly. But the point being is like a new group of players, new type of players who have who are at risk, right? You know, if there are climatic events, you know, if there's high swings in temperatures, then an insurance company ultimately would like to know or have more control over that situation if they can to reduce their exposure. So I think that's something interesting. There are a couple other companies that are active in that space. Berkshire Hathaway has just made a big investment or is partnering with Triple Plus. There's another company, Went, who is, I think they're mainly focused on commercial um, facilities. And commercial is sort of in between that, obviously, residential municipality. I think that's another space where, there's a bottom line, more uh, bottom line, ex where there is more bottom line exposure um, at scale. And that's that's an area of, of growth, I think, going forward. Yeah. Well, as always, Reese, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to, to come on to the show. Uh, for those folks who want to find out more about you and Bluefield Research, where can they go to get that information? www.bluefieldresearch.com. Pretty straightforward, Bluefield Research. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Maurice. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Dave. Good to talk to you. Likewise. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Reese Tisdale, president of Bluefield Research. Uh, as always, fantastic insights. I'm always uh, very impressed by the job that Reese and the folks at Bluefield do tracking uh, the market intelligence in the water sector. Um, would love to hear what you think. Uh, about this episode, um, you can find the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com pod one four five. That's thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one four five. You can email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at dtm one nine nine three, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. 
And please do send me a please do me a favor. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, please rate and review the podcast on on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever podcast directory uh, you're listening on. If there's an opportunity to rate and review it, please do so. would 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 greatly appreciate it. It's a great way for uh, other folks to find out and kind of drive the podcast up the ratings. Um, you can also sign up for the Water Values newsletter at thewatervalues.com. And with that, let's close it out. So in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the water values podcast thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me well thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer i'm a lawyer licensed in indiana and colorado and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else additionally nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.